0: Thanks for listening to the For the Campus podcast, where each week we sit down and have discussions about Christian faithfulness in the college campus. To learn more about City Church Tallahassee and our ministries, head to citychurchtallahassee.com. Hey, Dean, thanks again for hanging out with us on the For the Campus podcast. Today, we're gonna to talk about something that was submitted by a student in our church that wanted help thinking through what they called self-help Christianity. And a lot in our world today um, you know, there's a lot of books written and people who are social media influencers who kind of fit into this category of, uh, if I was going to give it a subtitle, like all good books, it would be uh, fulfilling your dream, living your purpose, doing big things, you know?
1: And they would all claim it's for God. For God. they'd attach that onto
0: it, yeah. And t- taking, taking what I think is just a lot of the desires that we see, um, just natural desires people have to be well-known, to be quote-unquote successful, to, to make money, to fit in or look cool and have
1: a platform
0: yeah and building it into or cloaking it with christian language could you give us a definition how would you define self-help christianity and then what's the danger with it
1: yeah i would call it first me-centered christianity like me Mm me-centered i don't think it's even intentional at times i don't think someone wakes up one day and says how can i be a selfish person today Mm -hmm. so i'm not trying to uh, be unfair or harsh when I say that but really it comes down to believing that God ex- again they wouldn't, what makes us hard is they wouldn't actually admit this mm-hmm. uh, it's almost like a lack of self-awareness mm-hmm. or maybe just being blinded by the teaching they're hearing or the experience they're a part of mm-hmm. uh, but basically it, it is saying like how that God is for me and not for me, like Romans 8.31, of God's for us, who can be against us. That's in the context of our salvation, mm-hmm. of our calling, of God saving us, of our justification. Uh, more it's about that God wants me to – live. the famous – the most common phrases are like live God – or dream God-sized dreams and mm-hmm. live my story and find my meaning and find my purpose – when the reality is the gospel already gives us all of those things and has nothing to do with career, has nothing to do with passions, nothing to do with interests. It has to do with who we are in Christ. Uh, so this is a very white collar gospel. Uh, it only really translates to a very, very small percentage of people in the world who are Christians. And I think it's really causing a discipleship crisis people are, are unaware of that we even haven't even seen the full results of yet. Cause it's the first generation uh, mm-hmm. to really fully be
0: in this self-help world. And when you say discipleship cro- pro- uh, crisis, um, could you elaborate a little bit more on that? Yeah, so the calls of discipleship are a call to die to yourself,
1: a call to follow Christ and, and deny who you are and pick up pick up the cross and your ambitions and your desires and make them all about Jesus and his kingdom and his mission. And thats that doesn't preach very well in terms of likability. Uh, so really uh, everything that's done in these churches that promote this stuff, and they're also very large usually, mm-hmm. uh, so the excuse is like, oh, well, look what's happening. They must be doing something right. Well, I mean, last time I checked, Nickelback draws a crowd, right? And sells lots of albums. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, so they sold a gajillion albums, right? So uh, just having success by the world standards doesn't mean something's legitimate. Uh, so where it's a discipleship crisis is I don't think people are prepared to suffer in, in this theology. Hmm. Uh, they're not prepared to have pushback. I mean, just look at what happens if anyone ever pushes back against them. You're immediately called a hater. You don't understand. Uh, you know, you're just too rigid. You know, you're a fundamentalist, you know, things like that. Uh, and these are the things that the Christian life really prepares us for is to know how to, Suffer, how to die with Christ. Uh, there's just no for me to live as Christ and to die is gain room. Uh, in a self-help kind of theology that really exists for you to improve you. Mm-hmm. And I think the discipleship crisis comes in, in the fact that we're defining spiritual maturity by the wrong things. Mm-hmm. And we're just looking at kind of passion or somebody being excited, which those are good things. But like, so if everybody like is singing their hearts out and has their hands up in the air and is really into a song, the translation is, oh, wow. You know, I'm so encouraged by this generation and they are just so serious about Jesus. It's like, okay, but are they willing to talk about sin? Are they willing mm-hmm. to talk about repentance? Mm-hmm. Are they are they willing to stand for the Bible? Are they willing to talk about sexuality? Mm-hmm. You know, I, that's the things I want to see. You know, not not how into a song are you? Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to make some kind of big blanket statement, but that's, but that's really how it is and what's become of it. Uh, so I never see discipleship being measured in pragmatism in the scriptures. I, I, I see it being measured in your willingness to die for Christ, figuratively mm-hmm. and literally.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting that you mentioned being prepared for pushback because. I think what happens is we see a Christianity, and we see people that are looking a lot like the world, and it's kind of like, who doesn't want to—big dreams would equate to a a lot of worldly measurements, like starting a business and making a lot of money, or being a singer and singing in front of a lot of people, or having an Instagram account and having a lot of followers, but what you're saying, too, is whenever we start to— just kind of try to tickle people's ears to use First Timothy 4's language, we overlook a lot of these things in the scriptures that don't really align to that. It actually kind of push us in the opposite direction. Yeah,
1: most of the scriptures yeah. you know
0: are, are that. And, and and I think it's great to make a lot of money or to achieve your dreams
1: or to, you know, get a chance to sing or play professional baseball or whatever it might be. I think, oh that's wonderful. And I want to see more Christians doing that. But God's not impressed with that, mm-hmm. right? God's impressed with faithfulness in whatever you're doing. So I worry for people. Again, it's such a small percentage that can actually measure up to this. It seems like a lot because there are big churches, but there's only so many of them. Mm-hmm. Like in global Christianity, it just doesn't measure up. And, and I worry for them because it makes the mundane seem bad. And almost like the worst word you can use in this kind of pop Christian, self-help, me-centered Christianity mm-hmm. is the word settle. I, I, oh man, I, I just I, I settled for this job. I yeah. settled in this marriage. I settled for this city, whatever it might be. When that's just not a biblical word, hmm. you know. Like the only thing that, that God doesn't want us to settle for is sin. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the world apart from Him? When really faithfulness and God's, I guess you could say, dream for us is to be a part of His mission, to be a part of His creation mandate. You know, for family and. Uh, for children raising and, and marriage and those type of things, are uh, to live your singleness uh, for his glory and by his word. Like, that's God's dream for us, not these other things. And that doesn't mean we can't pursue them. I personally pursued my dream of mm-hmm. starting a church in Tallahassee. I've written a book that did very well. That was a dream that I had. I'm getting ready to write another one. I mean, mm-hmm. like, so, so I'm all for going 100 miles an hour after those things. I just don't think that in any way, shape, or form equates with like Christianity, <laughs> mm-hmm, yeah. with following Jesus, I, I think that I could be just as much in God's will and just as happy if I was working for, you name that, you know, just kind of mundane job and, and had, the, had the family that I have and trying to live for Christ and raise a family that honors the Lord and be an active part of my local church. I just don't know where we got this stuff from. And, and it's really problematic. And another thing that worries me is that most of the teachers in this movement are super charismatic. I don't even mean theologically, just personality-wise. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not, ask, I'm not asking them to be duds, but they're all—it's all kind of the same thing. Mm-hmm. They look the same, they dress the same. All their followers and church members and band members all look the same and dress the same and the exact same stuff. And eventually, you got to realize: wait, is this like an actual movement that's happening, or is this like a weird kind of subculture you know, kind of click of uh, this twenty-something-year-old kind of Christian life that really the Bible wouldn't really recognize much based on what they teach?
0: Yeah. My read on it, I'm younger so, and I and I didn't grow up really going to church and everything, but my read on it was there was a movement when you were in your kind of late teens, early 20s, that was all about like a personal relationship with Christ. And it was almost like go, go live a, a pretty normative life, but make sure that you have a personal relationship with Christ. That was like the big kind of phrase. And then with my generation of late teens to early twenties, kind of where I fit in, it kind of shifted. And it was more like, go do big things and have big dreams and, and feel better about yourself, come to grasp with who you are. When did you see this start to grab kind of some traction with people.
1: Yeah, it's interesting how it's almost like you're just putting on new clothes into old ideas. I, I, a lot of what's happening in the self-help movement, I look back to Robert Shuler, mm-hmm. uh, back from California, you know, back in the, I think it was like 60s, 70s, and then for a long time, the Crystal Cathedral, He's one of the first guys to be on TV, and his whole platform was positivity. Mm -hmm. The power of positive thinking. Never talk about sin. Never talk about repentance. Uh, So really, in all that context, they don't realize that Jesus isn't really necessary. You know, so I think where all started was a desire to try to make Christianity cool. Mm -hmm. You know, just just a real desire to not be your grandma's church or something along those lines. But what happens after that is not just the atmosphere and the environment. I don't care about that. I mean, I don't care what kind of environment you have. I I think that's so open-handed, and that can look different no matter your culture and context and all these different kinds. It's like it's a preference thing. I don't care about that kind of stuff. I care about the messaging. And care more about the presentation of what it is you're trying to communicate. Uh, so I think what happened was this desire for Christianity to be cooler as we get pushed further to the margins, and what they don't realize is it's not working. It really just attracts a lot of de-church people that didn't like their church because they talked about something that offended them, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. But if your goal is to make Christianity cooler, it's going to start with how you dress and how, you're in, and how your music sounds, and who cares about that ultimately? Mm-hmm. Now when everyone looks the exact same, you got to go, hmm, what's going on here? But the issue is that eventually leads to your messaging because mm-hmm. you want Christianity to look cool and God to feel cool to people. So all of a sudden you're going to be silent on these kind of things. So a lot of these self-help churches, you have no idea what they believe about anything. Mm-hmm. It's just not there. We, we know They know what you believe about your potential and taking your setback and turning into a comeback and your God-sized dreams and those type of things. We have no idea what they believe about certain doctrines uh, besides a basic copy and paste on their website because they don't mm-hmm. talk about it. And they might go, oh, well, we talk about it in our membership meetings. And one, no, they don't. And two, what does that say? That you don't think those things are what we need for discipleship and preaching on a Sunday morning? Uh, so I'm just really worried about it because I'm, I'm concerned for people that are going to have— midlife crisis has kind of gone away. Now it's a quarter-life crisis. Mm-hmm. Because people believe at age 26 just to have all their dreams have come true and had the perfect thing and that God should do all of this for them and that God wants to take anything that's happened in their life— to set them up for something greater, when the mm-hmm. reality is what God's going to do with what's happening in your life is make you more like Jesus. That's discipleship. It never has anything to do with us making a comeback. It has to do with us being more like Christ. And can that happen with you achieving your dreams? Of course it can, but usually that's not how it works. Yeah.
0: And, and one of the things that we've talked about as a staff that we've thought through a lot is we really want to be clear too, and we're teaching people, you know, to actually think through how are they going to hear this? How are they going to take this? Are we leading people the right way? One of the things that, Paul says in First Timothy, is when he's talking about false teachers, you know, he talks about that they get led into empty speculations, that it's actually sinful or wrong or a form of false teaching, even to cause people to speculate or to lead them to think incorrectly. And so even if you're saying something and then behind closed doors, you're saying, well, that's not really what I mean, but nine out of 10 people are going to take it that way. That's a form of bad teaching. That's at best and false teaching at worst, really.
1: Yeah, and the excuse can't be, well, it helped me.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean,
1: people can make that argument about anything. You know, if we if someone said that, you know, uh, Buddhism helped me, mm-hmm. we're not going to deny that it didn't help them. That doesn't mean it's true. You know, maybe it helped this temporary kind of thing. So it's interesting the excuses we put out about that. And I think that Christians need to be vocal about these kind of things, not because we're haters, not because we have an agenda of, mm-hmm. you know, trying to squash somebody or it's not jealousy. or it's, it's none of those kind of things that are so easy to accuse of. It's out of love for our neighbor. It's mm-hmm. so we want to see people not get led astray but by a Christianity that's simply just this American white collar affluent kind of idea that would not make sense in a third world country. It wouldn't make sense for our brothers and sisters who are in jail in China right now mm-hmm. uh, because of their faith. I mean, good luck telling them that God wants to take their setback and turn it into a comeback. God's will for them might be to die for their faith. Yeah, you know, they'd smack us in the face of the yeah. things we're talking about in American church today. And uh, also, I, I want to say this too: like, when when somebody, if you're a pastor. And you're like famous on Instagram and have like millions of followers. Uh, you know, eventually you got to go, how, why is that? Mm-hmm. And how is that? And, and we're, we're told the world's going to hate us because of Christ. And you're like an Instagram celebrity. Like, how does that really work? Mm-hmm. And notice it's really the, really the guys that are really kind of gospel-centered guys that have that kind of following. I and mean, there's your occasional Piper and your, you know, Chandler and Platt and those kind of guys. But they have nowhere near nowhere near you know the instagram or, or the you know the social media savvy or attention that a lot of these pop christian self-help me centered guys have and you got to ask the question why is that mm-hmm. because their message isn't sexy their, their message you know isn't it is not very much dependent on the gospel mm-hmm. and what i worry for the self-help message is how little dependent it is on the work of christ how little dependent it is on the gospel uh, to where it's more it, it, it more resembles a moralism uh, with a with nice lights and nice music and a, but it more resembles a moralism with a cool kind of Jesus twist to it than it does any kind of gospel centrality. So for our college students listening to the podcast, I would I'd to be really careful of those kind of things. Like just avoid the celebrity side of things mm-hmm. and go for faithfulness. So people who've proven themselves, to be faithful Bible teachers. They're well known, great, mm-hmm. but who are Bible people? And that's what they're known for. Not their charisma, not their savvy, not their cool. You know. And I'm thankful we have a ministry that you really led well. Uh, that that's not what they look for first. They want the truth. They want the Bible, and they're more kind of appalled by those things than they are drawn to it. And I think it's a you know, and I think that's a sign of health for our ministry.
0: Yeah, and I think you know when you talked about why might somebody have a lot of popularity, we don't want to like obviously stigmatize people who have large followings, no. but it does go back to that kind of you know Timothy four tickling ears type thing where if you're saying a lot of stuff that everyone loves, whether they're a Christian, non-Christian, atheist, Buddhist. And you're saying all these things about like here's how to get your life on track, and here's how to you know succeed at work and to step into your potential. And you're just saying all those things. You're going to draw a huge crowd who are going to hear nothing, and yeah, from an eternal standpoint.
1: Yeah, because the only thing they're being challenged really to do is not to settle, yeah, or to have more faith. But it's not more faith in the work of Christ and their assurance of salvation and mm. uh, God's promises. They'll use words like God's promises, but it all comes back to you. It goes mm-hmm. back to you and what you need to do and how you're going to be this and God's going to make you this. So in the scriptures we see that God's goal is to make you more like Christ and have you be part of his mission. Like, and then there's room outside of that to for us to, in our freedom in Christ to live lives on our God in lots of different ways and shapes and forms and approaches, but the theme remains the same and it's not us as the center. And again, they would deny it all day long. That's mm-hmm. not, we don't think that we're the center, but functionally that's how it all works. I mean. What what would these churches do tomorrow if the pastors all of a sudden started preaching verse by verse through Romans eight without putting their fun little creative spin on it and actually preach the word? You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't think they'd be quite as as popular as they are now.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned preach the word. I think it's easy for people in ministry who feel like you know a, a great way to judge how they're doing is attendance at events or you know, engagement that they're seeing. Are people tweeting about this, posting about this? Are people showing up to this? And what begins to happen, and you and I have heard this conversation over and over again, is that people say, okay, well, I want to get them in with this, and then I want to slowly move them towards, you know, the gospel or slowly move them towards the truth. But what what we end up seeing is not really, that's not really how it's working. What seems to happen is they're growing these big followings, and they're basically being Oprah, you know, with... they're not they're not ever really teaching the word or they're saying oh well we want the word to really be taught in these environments that are you know not on the not with the pulpit so you don't want the preacher the pastor to teach the word you want th- that to happen in the car on the way home with the I mean it doesn't make any sense yeah. but
1: yeah and it's easy to fall hook line and sinker for it a lot of times one of the kind of I guess sort of uh, litmus tests you can use or maybe a little sensitivity marker Uh, to have yourself kind of triggered towards this is you'll hear these guys a lot of times say, I was reading this this week and God showed me something new, Mm -hmm. you know, that I'd never seen before. And usually it's some translation or interpretation of a text that no Christian in the 2000 year history of Christianity has ever had before, Mm -hmm. but it fits great for your rah, rah, re, you know, kind of sermon, your rah, rah sermon or whatever. So you gotta be careful of that kind of stuff. Like you're Mm -hmm. never going to hear me say things like I got a new idea from this text. hopefully we'll say, maybe I saw something today that I haven't noticed before Mm -hmm. that I was shown to by, you know, this commentator or something like that, that maybe I've overread or missed, but these guys always try to find something new point to go with what's happening. Uh, Where we're sitting right now recording, you have a Yeti cup that says Florida Outdoor Experience. I assume Mm -hmm. that's about fishing or hunting or something like that. That's wonderful for fishing and hunting. You want to create experiences. Experiences. That's why we do it, right? For a hobby. Yeah, yeah, Sure, sure, It's fun. Relationships, hobby. Church is about relationships, but it's not about an experience. And when you think church is an experience, then you're going to try to create the best possible experience for people, which is gonna mean ear tickling, emotions, you know, you know th- th- those type of things that are happening. And uh, it's amazing how easily manipulated people are in these kind of churches by the experience that's been yeah. created. So that's just, that's just not what church
0: is. Yeah, and you mentioned overshadowing a lot of the things that people are called to in the scriptures. I think about when I hear young kids in our college ministry, and they have these dreams to maybe go work in politics or maybe to be a musician or an athlete. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be a musician or athlete. But the way that kind of the self-help Christianity goes is, well, whatever desire you have, whatever goals you want to achieve, God wants to help you achieve them. If you would just listen to these smart insights, that are kind of loosely based in His Word. God will help you step into that. What well, that's not what we see in the Scriptures at all. Yeah, we prosperity see, gospel, yeah. With we a twist. see, yeah, yeah, and that's something that you and I talked about. Prosperity gospel. It makes sense that the new prosperity gospel is less about money and is more about experience, lifestyle, um, a noto- notoriety, mm-hmm. um, because our generation, my generation, is less. Concerned, from my understanding, with just making it financially, and way more concerned about making it as just a figure, a public figure, or whatever it may well, be.
1: Well, you know, now the idea is you have to do what you're passionate about. Like mm-hmm. You have to like love your work and be passionate about your work. When really the purpose of work, ultimately, outside of the glory of God, right, mm-hmm. to rel- is, is to provide for your family mm-hmm. or provide for yourself if you're single, you know, and to be someone who can contribute to you know your church and things such as that. It, it's not to fulfill all your dreams because work was never designed for that. Mm-hmm. Work's a good thing. Work existed before the fall. You know, in Genesis 3, works before that. We see Adam having to work and, you know, sweat in the garden early. Uh, But it is not something that is supposed to fulfill us. And the way that this is presented Mm. is as if they believe that work is supposed to fulfill you. Again, they would deny that all day long. But that's kind of the message is that don't settle. Remember, there's the word, the the cuss word in this uh, self-help Christian world is don't settle when really life is all about settling a good kind of settlement mm-hmm. which which basically means being content yeah
0: philippians 4 13. there it is
1: i can do all things how can i be content through jesus right paul yeah. said like i've learned how to have a little have a lot again i hope we have people for the christians that are big earners you know the things they can do is incredible yeah you know for their church and, and influences they can have but I don't, I don't think they're having any more influence one of our church members who works with the fire department and is with their their you know co-workers for 24 hour shifts you know that that long, or somebody teaching third grade at one of our local schools. I mean they're all having influence. and I think that we just have to be really careful when we equate following Jesus faithfully and boldly and courageously with trying out adventurous things. I think it's more saying no to the world. Yeah. And saying yes to Christ is what courage looks like.
0: And one of the issues, you know, kind of don't settle, and the other side of that is do big things. Who gets to define what the big things are? Because what I see in the text is the big things are when you get married, you honor that commitment. When when you're at work and you're, you're in a position to compromise, you know, don't compromise, you know, speak up. Like those those are types of things that, you know, I think that a lot of times when people use the phrase big things, people's minds run to naturally worldly success that doesn't always align with with God's word. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No one's like, I'm gonna go pursue big things in my God-sized dream as I go uh, to school to learn how to be a welder. Yeah. You you just don't hear that language for them, even though welder's a really great job. (laughs) But you don't hear that kind of language. It usually means some kind of platform, some kind of notoriety, those type of things. And it just really worries me that this has become such a segment, almost like tribe of Christianity. And it's hard to even classify, Mm -hmm. but it's all its own kind of thing that's gaining a lot of popularity, a lot of influence. And there's really nothing there to the messaging. Again, it's almost like the crossing, resurrection aren't that important mm-hmm. for what they're preaching. It's basically, a, like you said, an Oprah kind of self-help talk with a lot of charisma and a lot of cadence in the preaching and, and rah-rah-ree and hear about these churches that have sections that where people are taught to respond and to get hyped up so everybody else does. Cause it's all about the experience, and that's a lot different than our brothers and sisters in China are dealing with right now. Yeah. I'm not saying that we should enjoy our freedoms to be able to worship freely, you know, not be under the threat of... Of being arrested for gathering together or killed, that doesn't mean that we don't acknowledge what the faith is altogether. And if your message would not work in a third world country, I really worry for that message. You know, Mm -hmm. I got a buddy who's a pastor uh, in a a big city where one of these kind of very notable churches is located. A lot of Instagram success, a lot of hype, all those kind of things, a lot of God sized dreams, you know, et cetera. And they have regularly what they call refugees from that church who come over. Mm-hmm. Who um, maybe came into the Lord at that church? Praise God for that. Um, and then after a few minutes or a few years, I should say, uh, we're like, "Golly, man, I'm I'm starving. You know, I'm not starving for an experience. I get that every week. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not starving for an emotional uplifting. I get that every week here. But I need the Word. I need doctrine. I need theology. I need truth. You know, I, I don't need a you know the pastor's take on this Old Testament passage. that resolves itself in me making a comeback. You know, mm-hmm. or something like that. And they wind up going to find gospel center churches and they come in. It's almost like it's a breath of fresh air.
0: And and one of the concerns I have with college students is kind of in this whole, let's go do these great grandiose things is that people are going to feel like they're not faithful or they're let downs because they're not on ESPN or they're not leading 5,000 people in music or whatever. And to me, you know, the problem with the whole big, let's go do big things, let's go fulfill our dreams type movement is it overlooks all of these incredibly, from a worldly sense, small things that the Bible, Bible makes really clear are important for us. And it, 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 it worries me because I could see, you know, people thinking that if they were, you know, 27 years old and they decided, you know what I'm going to do, I'm just, I'm, I'm going to stay at home with my children and I'm gonna wake them up in the morning. I'm gonna read them the Word, and I'm gonna pack their lunches, and I'm gonna send them to school. Is that person not doing big things? It's yeah. biblically. I don't think that you would uh, want to say that. I mean, There's no ruler. I think they're well, doing they, massive yeah. things. You know, I but,
1: think the person who's going to work for the state every day and get to and working towards their pension that they're seven years removed from, so they can provide for their family, is doing and also give to their church and support mm-hmm. missionaries. Is doing massive things. You know, and. I think they're doing much bigger things than the person who maybe just uh, you, you know sends out a message that they're famous and pretty and everything else every day. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so self consumed and it's the opposite of the faith. And we, it's not cliche to, to remind people that Jesus had twelve, mm-hmm. and one even left him. Mm-hmm. You know, the, him the feeding of five thousand such an amazing story to me. Besides the fact that he took a little bit of bread and some fish and fed over five thousand people mm-hmm. when he included women and children, it's that's like the dream, right? Like here he is impacting that many people at one time. Well, then, in the next scene, he says some pretty tough words to them about following him, and they Mm -hmm. all left. There was a few people left, and he said, "Them, you guys gonna leave me too?" He was canceled. He was canceled. (laughs) Well, he was like, "Man, it's too hard." Yeah. The five thousand. Woo! This was awesome. The experience, man. I got to eat. This was amazing. You know. And then he made hard demands on their life, and all of a sudden, it was they're gone. They all left, except Mm -hmm. for a few of his disciples. And he said, "Y'all gonna leave me too?" They're like where are we gonna go, man? Like you're the one, mm-hmm. you know. And so I, I just worry that the demand on these kind, this kind of Christianity is, is very, is very small. And I think we are in big trouble. People say things like, "I'm so encouraged by this generation," and by that it means like, they sing, they get into the music, and they, you know, give to a large offering for an orphanage once a year, which mm-hmm. that's great. But I'm not encouraged by that. I, I'm encouraged by the fact that we have. Student leaders in our church who are all in to serving their local church, and then when and people half the church doesn't know their names, they're not posting about it. You know that they, they love. That's what I'm encouraged about. We have mm-hmm. students who will stand for the truth who aren't being swayed by their by by being, by being at a secular university. They're seen as a additional opportunity, mm-hmm. uh, and they're not trying to be famous, they're trying to be faithful. And uh, you know, I, I think that for those that maybe for those that maybe get chance, my my mentor always says to me, he always say, Dean, let it come to you. My like Christians don't go looking for platform. everybody's it's all relative you know my platform is is maybe large for tallahassee but it's not large compared to david platt or something like that uh but he always said let it come to you i don't go looking for it let it come to you Mm -hmm. and before you know it by the time i'm before my 40th i'm 38 years old i'll I'll be 40 in november by the time i'm 38 years old i have someone reach out to me and ask me to write a book with Mm -hmm. a major publishing company i thank god for that but but i don't think that if i wouldn't have done that that my life wouldn't be any more, mm-hmm. you know, successful or any more in God's will or anything like that. It was an opportunity that I was given and uh, that came to me by God's grace and I try to be faithful in, in what it was, you know, mm-hmm. and it's done. And so and what I mean by that is let is, ju- I just worry when we think that settling or the mundane thing is bad, yeah. or not, not God's will, when it's the mundane basic stuff of life where faithfulness is really built.
0: Yeah, and on college campus in particular, I think like the, the whole idea of self-help Christianity is – you know, help you accomplish what you're trying to accomplish. And I think what is already happening across the board is that if you are a convictional Christian and you live out your faith, a lot of your dreams, a lot of the things that you want to do in life are going to get blocked because the world does not, I sent you something earlier of somebody saying that college students, we hear you, we respect you, we wanna, and I had sent the caption and said, unless you're a Christian, yeah, we don't hear Christian, you. Unless but, you believe
1: in biblical marriage and. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? but yeah. it's
0: but you know it's interesting because it's like, I, I view, and I think this with my girls, but I think this with our college students too, I wanna help, and you said it earlier, I wanna help disciple you to be able to suffer well for Christ and realize that like, it, rather than like goat saying, go get it, go get it, go do your thing we're actually having to sit and my team's having to sit more and say, it's okay. It's okay. You you didn't, you didn't get that position or that internship because you're a Christian. It's okay. Because not, not to settle and to be lazy or to be empathetic, but because, you know, being a, uh, having a big documentary documentary, through FSU film school is not the top of Christian success. Like being a convictional, faithful follower of Jesus Christ is. And I think as a lot of leaders, we actually need to say the opposite. We need to say, it's okay if you your career suffers, your platform suffers, all of that suffers if, if you're truly following Christ. And I, I think it's a really important piece right now that's missing from that puzzle.
1: Yeah. I don't think that self-help Christianity world is ready to be marginalized for their faith. They don't know what that means. It's just, it's very easy. You know, it's about an experience, right? An mm-hmm. experience doesn't let you, you know, stand before someone who says, I'm not going to hire you because you believe in biblical marriage, right? Mm-hmm. Even though these churches do largely believe in biblical marriage, uh, they are really quiet about it. You have no idea they believe that. They're not going to touch it because again, it's all about being pragmatic and they yeah. want to leave. So when we look at what success is as Christians, I'm guessing we should look to the Bible, <laughs> just a thought, Yeah. and we should see those who've gone before us. And what happened to the disciples? What happened to Paul?
0: Yeah, they were killed. They got the worst self-help advice they, ever. They were they were yeah. killed,
1: you know, for their faith. You know, I mean, from Peter to James to John was exiled. I mean, they were they were they didn't have a comeback. The, the, their comeback was was a new life after death, right? Mm-hmm. Was 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 that they're with, with in heaven with Christ right now, right? So um, people talk about like your own personal resurrection, and by that they don't mean becoming a new creation. They mean like you getting back in the game and you being successful. And we just have to reject that kind of thought. Because once again, it doesn't work for global Christianity. It's very missionally bad, you know, mm-hmm. for the larger mission. And second, it fuels that narrative that, that the church just wants your money and, and those type of things. Because you see these people wearing, you know, $500 tennis shoes. And mm-hmm. you know, I'm not saying it's wrong by itself to do that. But what kind of message are you giving across when it's so all about how trendy you look and how mm-hmm. cool you come across and how perfect your pictures are and how, you know, it's just after a while we got to go okay how how, what does this have to do with following jesus Mm -hmm. and i think we just resemble the world way too much and it's going to cause us to not be ready to be marginalized or to have any context when jesus said the world will hate you
0: Mm -hmm. when you think about our college students and obviously one of the major camps that they can get sucked into is this very popular self-help what what do you want to see them thinking like what is what is the mature college student thinking through this look like Mm -hmm.
1: These are the most these are the most legit Christian college students I've ever seen in my entire life, and that includes being on Christian campuses where I go preach at chapels and things like that, mm-hmm. um, where it's really easy to be a Christian. Right, it's a, you're in Bible classes during the day, and you have yeah, uh, like the ones, uh, four state TCC, FAMU college students that are part of our are the most legit college students I've ever been around in my entire life, and what I love about them is for them it truly and this is not cliche it truly is all about the gospel for them. Mm-hmm. That's what they want. That's what they expect. That's what they demand. I know if I preach a sermon that was missing Christ, you know, missing the blood of Jesus, the resurrection mm-hmm. or justification, they would have issue. I mean, they really would. I mean, you'd hear about it. I'd hear about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's a wonderful thing. You know, so that's encouraged me the most is that they're also willing to deliver obscurity. We have people that want to go on the mission field. We're known in America is ever going to know their name besides their church that's praying for them. And they're willing to do those kind of things. We have people that, that want to go to seminary and they're not in a rush and they're, mm-hmm. you know, because it's not about me right now when I say so. Mm-hmm. It's about faithfulness. And also... They care about their campus. They care about their lost friends. They want to see people come to know the Lord. And they have they have formed strong relationships and friendships with each other. That's not based on superficial things. Like it really is, you know, focused on Christ and his mm-hmm. good news. So I'm just, I mean, they're a breath of fresh air to me, you know. And, and I, and we do have to continue to remind them because they're human that this stuff that's always flashing at them from Christian celebrity Instagram world uh, is not what they're looking for. So you got to remind them of that. But we have a lot of people who aren't going to play that game. Mm-hmm. And when they had, when they see friends that maybe start to walk down that path, just from my kind of, I'm not as close to them as you are, but mm-hmm. you know, my outside looking in, it's cool to see them right away, direct people back in. We've seen people that have kind of been recovered out of that or saved out of that, you know, yeah. from, yeah, and so it encourages me.
0: Yeah. And my, my hope to people listening to this is to just to make sure, you know, we're so simulated. We have just so many things competing for our attention. And Joe and I talked about this on last week's podcast, you know, there's very little time to actually sit down and think, like, and discern the decisions you're making and the the choices that you're making, and to actually just like take some time too to think through, like, what should be shaping my dreams, like, what should be shaping my exactly. desires, you know. And and the truth is, like, I I if if let's just say that we had a student who was an athlete at Florida State and desi- decided that you know I don't really this isn't really what I want to do with my life, like. I'd rather go and and be a pastor, be a missionary, or, or, you know, whatever. I don't see that as a loss because they're going to do less big things. I see that as a gain because there's somebody who's really grasped, I want to do what's faithful. And um, that doesn't mean being a baseball player or something like that would make you not faithful, but it's not always about doing the quote-unquote biggest thing, you know? Oh, yeah, sure. And so we think it's both. We
1: think the person that's going to pursue their dreams of being a Nashville singer or... A baseball player, or a CEO, or whatever it might be, is all fantastic for the glory of God. We think that's no more significant mm. than someone who is teaching third grade, stay-at-home mom, working from home, you know, mm. with their with their, um, you know, their own small business they started, you know, being a realtor, or whatever it might be. Because none of our identity is in that kind of stuff, and, mm. and we that. That's a big reason why. Again, learning from the world, it's the world's wisdom. For so much identity has been formed in what you do rather than who you are in Christ. Mm-hmm. And again, they would deny it all day long because no one's going to say, oh yeah, I put more identity in my work than I do in Christ. Well, then why do you have to have those things in order to be fulfilled? Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, for me as a pastor of a, of a you know, decently large church, for our city especially, um, would I be fine preaching in front of 75 people every week? You know, and, and if the answer is no to that, and I don't mean because we're not trying to reach more people, I mean just if that was what reality was, uh, would I be okay with that? And I would hope that I would preach just as hard and just as passionately and just as convictionally as if I was in front of, you know, Easter at the Civic Center kind of numbers, you know? And I think that's where we kind of find out some of those sort of things.
0: And, you know, if you're listening to this, I, I, I'll give you a, a book recommendation. When People Are Big and God Is Small would be a good book to maybe read through and think through. Who wrote that again? I, I um, here, let me look it up real quick. Oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> in the show notes? Uh, yeah. No, I'll get it. It's... Uh, edward welch okay um when people are big you know and, and god is small uh, my hope for you listening to this is just to understand that the question is w- what do i do to be faithful in realizing that we don't want the world to tell us what big is we want the scriptures to point us to our actions and so thanks for giving us some time today yeah, i
1: care about this topic a lot so thanks for asking me and having me
0: absolutely and if you have any questions as always you can email me at hunter at thanks guys Thanks again for listening to the For the Campus podcast. If this podcast was helpful for you, please take time to share it with others. Also, feel free to reach out to us online. Have a great day.